0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Sonic Talk. This is episode 321. And before we go any further, I have to play something because it's in homage to a very rare. Uh, uh, well, I'll, I'll just play that. This is Mr Ted Rogers, a giant of British light entertainment and banal quiz show programmes. I think this is loosely based on a Spanish uh, programme called 123. Here we go.
1: Thank you very much. Thank you. Good evening,
0: everybody, and welcome to another session of 321. Now, that wasn't too quick, was it? Well, try it again. See if you can do it yourself. Go on. Boom, boom, boom. Anyway that was said. it's episode 321 what can i say i had to, I, I was glassping at straws and i know i just remembered that there was probably going to be a clip of ted rogers doing his 321 if you do it fast enough nobody can notice you're actually not doing it at all but he was the master of it sadly passed away uh, in 2001 um, but um, yes it started off life as a red coat there is no other relevance to this show whatsoever apart from the fact that he presented a program called 321 and this is Sonic Talk episode 321. So anyway, um, thank you for bearing with me. That was my sort of slightly tangential diversion into uh, uh, ancient British television history. But um, I want to say thanks also to our sponsors because obviously we've got Isotope with us and uh, they've got a message. We've got to uh, announce a winner of last week's competition and we've got a new competition and a new product. So uh, stay tuned for that. But first, let's say hello to our guests. I'm going to say first, I want to say hi to Mr. Diego Stocko. From DiegoStocko.com, you may know Diego as, he's the arch, well, basically, your reputation. Only, only th- the only thing everybody actually remembers is you burning a piano and recording it, but you've done so much more brilliant stuff, and you've done something brilliant this week, which uh, is one of the reasons you're on, because you can talk about it. How are you, Diego?
2: Good, good. How are you, Nick?
0: I'm all right. You are in um, LA, so it's early good. in the morning. He's made a very special effort to uh, to join us so i really do appreciate that i yeah, think most it,
2: of the people are already awake at this time
0: <laughs> yeah but really you you work <laughs> in the you work in the rarefied uh strata rock and roll so you know getting up before <laughs> midday is just you know this must be an alien concept <laughs> i am joking of course
2: yeah i mean i just um like to work when there's a little bit of silence outside so well yeah just, of course yeah you remember here they have the 7 a.m uh uh Land mowers uh, leaf blowers uh, kind of routine going
0: on that 's right, actually, last time you were on, we had the leaf blower on
2: yes, and, and, and I... this morning at seven a m they were uh, you know cutting the grass in the house in the front this is ridiculous <laughs> it 's ridiculous really it's...
0: for a man who records lots of incredibly quiet things that is yes. just uh, you, you what you probably need is to build yourself one of those um anechoic chambers that sort of A couple of hundred feet underground, that you could just kind of completely submerge yourself away from.
2: Thought about you know finding one of those uh, old hangars or places where you can have your uh, lab, you know, away from civilization.
0: I have the same thing here actually, but this time it's the air conditioning because, God forbid, it's actually really hot in the UK and has been for several days. So, uh, yeah, not as hot as it's going to be. You had a heatwave, haven't you, in LA? I I seem to remember it was kind of really stupidly hot recently, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Anyway, Diego, thank you for joining us. We'll talk to you a little bit more about uh, what you've been up to uh, once after I've introduced our guests, and also uh, other guests, I should say. So we'll go to Mr. Mark Tinley, who is there in um, Bedfordshire. You might need to sit up a little bit, Mark. I'm getting the top of your head. Um, So
3: I'm not sure whether... Diego or I, which one of us looks most like we're on the set of A Beautiful Mind? Because if you look behind Diego, he's got about a billion post-it notes on the wall behind him. The only thing that's missing is the red string tying all the like loose ends together.
0: And you've got... Um, you. Well, you. I can't see post-its, but what I can see behind you, it, it's either bunting or um, a series of very small bikinis.
3: It's small bikinis. I've got a, a harem of... Uh, Pygmy women here in my uh, <laughs> in my basement.
0: Probably shouldn't go into that. <laughs> this <laughs> is recorded. I've got a
3: stainless steel fridge, but you can't actually see the fridge anymore. It's kind of everything come everything that comes through the letterbox um, gets stuck to it with a fridge magnet. Ah, I mean, well, madness hoarder.
0: Glad to have you, Mark. Mark is here, of course. Uh, Lightbeam.com, uh, sound artist and creative thinker, and also um, member of TV Ma- TV mania You can go and see what he's up to. TVmania TV mania Music dot Co.uk, I believe. Is that right? Or is it .com? I keep forgetting. .com. .com. Yeah. We'll put the link in the show notes. Anyway, Mark, thanks for joining us also. And finally, um, but certainly not leastly, we have <laughs> Mr. Gaz Williams uh, from sunny Bristol um, in, yes. in a new location in a recently reorganized office mm. by the looks <laughs> of things. Because Gaz, um, as we know, is, um, is getting married on Saturday and I'm very much looking forward to the party. Mm. So yeah. I will be there
1: great <laughs> yeah it's uh yeah yeah that'll be a big change i think but um yeah excited about the show really pleased to be on the show with diego big fan of your work diego absolutely stunning stuff oh, come on. <laughs> um yeah no really it's it's amazing uh it constantly take me by surprise it constantly and it's i love it i love it so much it's brilliant well what uh, sorry carry yes. on. Uh, with, the, <laughs> with the praises <laughs> um yeah but um yeah it's a it's quite a it's a very hot day here in bristol but it's very cloudy so ah i don't... haven't
0: noticed the clouds yet but uh, yeah. of course gaz williams is a bass player with carl hyde uh, on the road and uh, shortly off to japan i believe where you're going to be doing uh, some more some more jet jet setting and globe trotting on the bass guitar
1: yeah, that's going to be a great show. That's the Fuji Rock the Fuji Rock show we're playing on a Saturday. So really excited about that. That's going to be a biggie. Uh so yes. Uh so we got a little we got a little rehearsal midway through my honeymoon.
0: <laughs> uh, how did that go, how did that go down?
1: It's all right actually because uh,
0: darling um
1: Yeah. <laughs> But it, yeah. it's just so much fun, though, to be playing a massive concert on my honeymoon. So it's in Japan. So it's uh, worked out really nicely, I think. Excellent.
0: All right. Well, thank you very much. And and we'll we'll jump straight in because obviously the big news, really, or once part of the big news is at least that. Uh, oh, that doesn't look like the right thing at all. Uh, partly, the big news is that um, it's in fact has been. Uh, I'll just switch back here because my switching has gone a bit funny. Uh, Five years at the App Store. In fact, this very day, apparently, this very day, um, 2008, the 10th of July, was when it started. Uh, Obviously, you know, for whatever reason, you know, whether you're an Apple person or not, it has changed the face a little bit. We're talking software and apps, really. Forget about iTunes and all that kind of stuff. But the whole thing about being able to kind of... Just by making the purchase of applications easier than than pirating them, in in many cases, obviously in a in a in a closed environment, I just wondered if there's any um, if, if you had anything. To do, I mean, Diego, I'm presumably you know as a sound designer, you must have been involved in apps in some respect, you know, whether it's been sound design for particular apps or maybe people probably pitching you ideas for crazy apps that uh, you can put your name to on a daily basis, I'd imagine. But uh, what does it mean to you?
2: Yes, I, I did some work uh, for apps. Um, I haven't been involved actually with musical apps. Uh, I did stuff for uh, games and, and, and things like that. Uh, but I I am definitely using a lot of apps uh, uh, when I do stuff because they sound great. I mean they're cheap, uh, and I mean I have my iPad loaded of all possible things, and uh, so I don't I don't know. How it's going to evolve, but as it is now, it's already great. And uh, I I downloaded the free (laughs) Tractor DJ app. Me too, yeah. (laughs) It was all over the place. You know, it's like, hey, get it for free. All right, I get it for free. And then uh, I didn't use it yet, but I'm going to, because I already have the, the, the whatever bundle they put out. So I think it's similar, but it's nice to see something like that.
0: Yeah, I, I think, that, I mean, the main thing is, is I, I you know, I've been trying to look into it, you know, we have these various sort of doom and gloom that, oh, if you do apps, you're not going to make any money. But I've equally found a few people who've kind of gone, well, I actually have. I've made make a reasonable return on it. I guess it's just finding the right sort of thing and, and getting it right. And as we've said before, you know, music apps are one of the biggest kind of... Uh, uh, areas of um, uh, well I think they've been responsible for why the app, app store has got so big because they're these really neat fantastic musical things that have created mm-hmm. the successor and it's good to see Tractor DJ I would have liked to have seen maybe a few more instruments maybe even an Animoog or something because presumably Apple are foot in the bill of these free apps they're not expecting people to to bankroll their celebrations I'm, at least I'm hoping so um, yeah. but yeah kind of big I'm guessing Gaz you have probably got something you, you would add to this as well I mean it's, a, it's been a pretty big sea change right? <laughs>
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and it's quite interesting as well, you know, when you see on the, the promoted page of apps, you know, when Thor came out um, fairly recently, the yeah, Air Propeller Thor, that was kind of on the front page of the Apple, so, you know, so getting lots and lots of mainstream attention where, you know, you think, well, uh, uh, when was the last time a, a software instrument got so much kind of mainstream attention to to, to see what I mean so so it's kind of good I think it's promoting uh music technology to mainstream audiences um and like and they're not and like in Thor's case and that's not like a, a beginner's tool at all that's a proper serious musical instrument so I think that's quite an interesting part an interesting thing there and um Yes, I got the Tractor DJ free as well, which I haven't. I haven't really looked at much, but no, I just realized yeah. I haven't got any music on
0: my iPad at
1: all. It, well, it, it seems really silly that you can do this iTunes in the cloud malarkey, and then you can like pull down tunes as and when you need them. But it's only the Apple app, uh, the only the Apple Music player that supports that functionality which is a real shame so something like tractor dj it'd be fantastic that you can browse your itunes library and just upload off the cloud
0: yeah or just but, anything just stick in a url of something or get a soundcloud or something yeah that would be awesome if you could do yeah. that but uh yeah but, but you can't
1: I- so so this keeps Maybe that's up. what they should
0: do. Not should they, they shouldn't be doing uh, free apps. They should just kind of go, you know what? In celebration, we're going to open the doors <laughs> and, and let everybody in and let's see what happens. I mean, because well, they don't have to kind of close their sandbox. I just want to quickly say hello to uh, Tara Bush, who's in the chat room. I can't believe it. Uh, there she is. Hey. Nice to see you here. I think that's the first time since she's actually been on the show, Tara Bush, of course, <laughs> uh, with over in L.A. with you, I think, Tiago. So, uh, yep, yeah. But, yeah. Nice to see her there. Um, it's uh, I mean, we can't deny that it's a mass made a massive influence. And I know, Mark, you were kind of quite late to the iOS game, weren't you? I mean, do you think that there's uh, there's any <laughs> other how much further have we got to go?
3: Well, I don't know. I've had iOS on a phone for a long time, but I was very late to the iPad game because I kept thinking, well, what's the iPad going to give me that uh, the phone can't? And then I sort of realised eventually, duh, that uh, iPad apps and iPhone apps are often quite different things and uh, I kind of see the benefit of having an iPad now. It's sort of uh, becoming an integral part of my music making. But what I like about it is if I'm... Presented with a problem. So I'm sitting and I'm thinking, I need a rhyming dictionary. And they're the kind of things that you just go and look in the iApp store and you go and find 10 different free rhyming dictionaries and you download one and then you sit there and play around with different things and eventually come up with a piece of software that you like. So I've, I must have 200 different apps on my phone probably and, and then different set of applications on the iPad uh, and then I've sort of spread that across the two different devices now. But things like, I've got one on the phone called vocal warm-up. So if I'm going to sing, I just click this vocal warm-up thing and it takes me through a vocal warm-up. I mean, <laughs> no, 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 brilliant no, no, no. Yeah, but <laughs> it's brilliant. It also instructs me on how to do it. So it's very, I find these apps are very educational because they're not trying to do anything... They're not trying to be a fully-fledged, full-blown digital audio workstation. So when you pull something off the App Store for the Mac OS X, it's usually a very complex program like uh, Pages for like writing with or whatever. These are kind of like... They're more like applets, aren't they? They're like little tiny things that do really useful things that improve your workflow, and I just
0: think they're brilliant. In many cases, I think you're right, and I think, yes, as me and Gaz have sort of explored on Sonic Touch, which is uh, our kind of music-making on touch devices show, which is sort of intermittent frequency, but maybe we'll, now I've got an iPad 4, uh, or whatever it's called, I'll be able to do a bit more. We've discovered that when you try and make it do everything, that's when it falls down, because the paradigm doesn't work. You just can't create, but uh, we we have been over and over that many, many times, so perhaps we, uh, we should just Wish them happy birthday and hope that in the future there's a little bit more organizational um, uh, aspect put to the whole App Store thing because it is just so swamped in content. It's very hard to release something but, and get yeah. it noticed. I think that's part of the big problem.
3: I mean, the, uh, one other thing I want to say about iOS is the MIDI. Um, Compatibility, the MIDI functionality, the fact that I can uh, load up all these weird and wonderful alternative controllers and I can shake my iPad around and it sends MIDI data to my computer. Over Wi-Fi, I've got no yeah, awesome. so I just love
0: it. <laughs> it is awesome. I have to second that. I mean, you know, I, I'm a massive fan of MIDI Designer Pro, and I think it's one of the best pieces of software ever made for an iOS device. And I use it every single day. And I can very easily just come sit there, and go, "Oh, actually, I need to need to create an interface to do that," and I can just do it. You know, I'm becoming yeah. kind of quite. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Those things are superb. Those kind of amorphic, amorphic interface designers, so you could just create it to do what you want. So any, any, d-
1: word, any word on the iConnect MIDI 4? Uh,
0: no, I did actually um, ask about that, but uh, I, I've, I think it's coming in the summer. I think uh, in the UK, mm-hmm. I don't know who's going to distribute, so it's a question of getting hold of a hmm. unit. But I will chase that up because I would like to find out.
1: Well, because gonna... that, that unit, uh, for the people who haven't heard about it, is, well, promises to be the the missing link for integrating your iPad into... Uh, a traditional studio setup with MIDI and uh, uh, and and some of the kind of key facts of that are that, that that when it's connected, then it actually will provide an power audio, an, and does, an
0: audio device as well. Uh, so you yeah, can, well, yeah.
1: it's going to come to that. Yeah, it provides power. It provides MIDI and this thing called audio pass-through technology which we we're confused about at the moment because we don't know how that that digital clocking side is going to work but theoretically it's a little usb box you could have it connected to your computer you could have it connected to your ipad and that somehow you can get the digital sound through this as well which with which sounds great but i'm not not entirely sure how that's going to work
3: are you saying i can pull this in on a channel strip Oh, I've had a revelation, by the way. Mike Gregg told me to download Ableton. So I did, and I've tried it, and I'm absolutely blown away by the thing. (laughs) I've not used it since about (laughs) 1994 or five, six. When did it come out? Yeah, a long time ago. Because I said to Mike, God, I sort of vaguely remember this program. And he said, well, yeah, you got me into it about version one or two, and I'd sort of said to him, Mike, Mike, you've got to get into this thing. And then mm. and then I sort of went on my merry way with Logic and Pro Tools and Studio Vision and some other weird stuff. Um, but having come back round to Ableton now, it's just like, wow, I didn't know I could do that. No, and <laughs> awesome. the groove template stuff's just excellent. It blows Logic out of the water, actually, just being able to get the groove off a loop and put it on another loop and then get them really tight and stuff. Amazed, I am. Awesome stuff. Uh, Diego, are
0: you a Pro Tools guy? Is that what you're kind of mostly working in for your stuff? Because I'm guessing yeah, you're recording a lot, which is, is perhaps mm-hmm. Ableton's not so geared up towards multi-channel recording as, as everything else.
2: Yes, I, I do. I use Pro Tools when I when I record multiple tracks and stuff like that. But I use Ableton Live a lot when I do real-time sound design because Pro Tools, obviously, is great for recording and editing. But it's not nowhere close to the flexibility and power of Ableton Live when it comes to assigning stuff, moving yeah. them around, uh, assigning every kind of controller yeah. on, on the planet. Uh, so I, I love them both. Um, I, I still have to switch to Live 9. Uh,
0: so um, I was going to say you haven't got push or anything like yeah, that.
2: Yeah, no, it's because I... You see, I, I have a... a, a my, my relationship with technology is not... Uh, uh, intense as it should be because I, I use what I get, meaning for example, when, uh, when I was working on, uh, on Chernobyl Diaries, okay, I wanted to, to use the Animoog inside the score. I didn't even bother looking for an interface or a MIDI interface or even finding out how this thing is going to work. I just played it <laughs> and recorded it as, as, a, as an instrument. Sure. And, and and pretty much I do the same way. If if uh, if I am not in a situation where I can't get it done, I just do it the way I, I, I can. And but uh, Ableton Live uh, the nine I'm looking for it. I'm looking forward to trying it because um, I don't use it with MIDI.
0: Ah, I just use audio clip. Right. Audio.
2: Yeah,
0: that's so, interesting. Interesting
2: yeah, stuff. Because I, I don't use MIDI much in general. uh but uh, I, I, I'm I'm interested in trying to see if they uh, changed a couple of things uh, in the audio, the way the audio is managed inside when you record, when you stop. That there were some things that I couldn't figure out. Uh, but again, that didn't stop me from using it. I, I still use it. I don't do looping, for example, because <laughs> it distracts me from what I'm doing. You know, I, I try to multitask. I can't. So
0: <laughs> <you know? laughs> Well, you're already kind of working on a, a lot of different things at the same time. In fact, we're going to come to that shortly after, because uh, I've got a, an ad break to interject, but we're going to come and talk about your latest composition. I be, Well, the latest upload. It may not be your latest composition. Like, yeah. Shortly. <laughs> so if you stay with us, we're just going to say thank you very much to our sponsors, who are Isotope. Our Isotope, of course, uh, have been... Um, well, they've, they've been sponsoring the show for quite some time now, and we've been uh, through Trash and... Uh, that was the last week. This week we're talking about Stutter Edit. Stutter Edit is an effect you can play like any instrument. Made in conjunction with BT, Brian Transu. Remix in real time on stage or production in the studio. Controlled by MIDI. Includes over 800 presets as well as free expansions. Cutting edge audio slicing and manipulation. You can reinvent your music and sound design with effects. Filters, limitless beat juggling and new sonic possibilities. Practical applications too. You can build fills for dance music. Uh, create stingers for radio programs and more. You can download a free 10 day demo at isotope for stutteredit isotope.com forward slash stutteredit. Uh, please go ahead and do that. And of course, uh, as has been um, traditional with this uh, campaign, there is a prize to be given. There's over 800 presets as well. A prize to be given away. In fact, this week you can win uh, a copy of stutteredit. Uh, but first, Last week's competition winner was trash. I asked, um, "What's the best thing you found in the trash?" Basically, the most sort of useful musical. Diego, you obviously couldn't possibly be have been uh, able to join this because uh, you found so many musically relevant things in the trash. I'm sure, or found items that you put, you couldn't possibly enter. But in fact, what I found is this chap called Synth Factory Ch commented this five day. I don't know if this is true or not, but he said I found two MS twenties in a skip in the nineties which I don't even know if it's true, but I sort of want it to be. I want it to be so much that I'm prepared to give him the prize. So uh, if I will get in touch with him via YouTube. So he wins uh, a copy of Isotope Trash 2. Uh, and, um... Yes, the Isotope Fairy will be in touch. But in the meantime, uh, if you want to win a copy of Stutter Edit, uh, we've got another competition. Now, what I'm looking for is in the comments, you leave them below the comments, either in YouTube or uh, on the Sonic State site, depending on um, where you're watching this. Uh, I want a playlist of five stuttery songs, okay? So you choose five stuttery kind of songs, and that could be The Orb's Little Fluffy Clouds, which has got a bit of uh, re-triggering and stuttering on the little, 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 little. So I'd I'd count that as stuttery. Or The Who, My Generation, which he actually stutters for real in that. So I want a list of five songs that have stutters in in the play, uh, uh, in the comments below, and the best playlist will win a copy of Isotope Stutter Edit. So uh, that's it for now. Um, stay tuned. But once again, we thank Isotope for their sponsorship of the show and go and download your free 10-day trial. So uh, we're going to come straight to um, Diego's tune now. This is basically uh, well, I'll play a little bit of it. I'm trying to get it into into frame because I couldn't download this video. Uh, you've very wisely protected it there. So I'm going to press play on the on the on there and hopefully we can hear all of that awesome awesome right there thank you very much diego that that was something that uh, was very um sort of almost bleak and futuristic coffee what's what's the kind of what was the inspiration of doing that do you just kind of hear a sound and go right there i'm off and you go or how does it kind of take shape something like that
2: yeah it happens like that uh, <laughs> in, in this specific case uh, this was a one, an extra video that I created when I did this uh, series for DTS uh, called so- Sound Magician. They named it Sound Magician. <laughs> and so the idea was to create a sound and then have people guessing somehow how it was made. But then the series changed so it, it, went, it became more like a free-form kind of thing. And so I, I, when I was thinking about ideas for these sounds, the idea was to make sound in high definition, obviously. So to make them sound huge and and very detailed. So I thought, why not, you know, making sound how how I make coffee? But what you see there, it's actually the worst possible coffee in the
0: world. (laughs) Your coffee suffered for for your art.
2: Oh, my God. So first of all, (laughs) you can see I put some microphones inside the cup. Those are like industrial components, so they have like a plastic coating in the back, and it started to melt.
1: Mm, Mmm,
0: tasty.
2: Yeah. And also, that's a 12 espresso size <laughs> machine. If I drink that, I'm just going to explode. <laughs> so, and then everything was exaggerated the amount of sugar, the amount of shaking, the amount of moving around.
0: <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. There was a lot of sugar in there, too.
2: Uh, it was insane. I mean, the, I had to throw away the microphones at the end because they were encrusted in sugar. <laughs> I mean, they were half. Partially melted and with sugar on top. It was. <laughs> so how do you? So I
0: mean, we've we've discussed this with you before when you've been on the show. I mean, obviously there are casualties in your work. So uh, in this case, it was what three of those uh, those custom kind of uh, underwater mics? Four.
2: Four. Four. There were two per cable. I I, I I built them so that I had the two per cable. Uh, it wasn't really stereo. It was more like twice the amount of uh, the capsules. On the same connector.
0: Ah, okay, I got you.
2: Yeah, but this is stuff that it's cheap to find on on you know online. There's various websites where you can find these things. I just I just try everything, you know, and uh, so. So, how do you yeah.
0: what do you use for preamps for stuff like that?
2: Oh, I go through my API rack. I have a uh, uh, five twelve C's, and then the EQ and the compressor. I mean, when it comes to microphones. Yeah, I can do some experiments with some, you know, sketchy stuff. But when it comes to preamps, uh, I, I like to go with something that I know sounds great, especially when you're working with uh, quiet sources.
0: Yeah, you need um, low noise, right?
2: Yeah, so you've you got to make sure that the rest of the audio chain is as uh, as clear as possible.
0: I was uh, also a little worried for that mic that was hovering over the Steam oh, that output.
2: Bro, my, no, but <laughs> bro, no, I tell you this. I started as a customer with Rode back in 2003, I think. And then I started making a lot of experiments and things. And finally, uh, Rode wrote me when they say, if you need anything extra, let us know. I said, thank you, guys, because (laughs) I basically burned the capsules uh, of the anti-vice with the burning piano and then other things. So luckily, they provide me uh, some microphones sometimes (laughs) I break them. I go. Uh, by the way, yeah.
0: not I. will uh, <laughs> bet that's an endorsement deal they really regret at the end of the <laughs> year.
1: <laughs> can I can I ask uh, you a question, Diego? Sorry. Yeah. Can, um. Do you ever uh, what what sample rate do you work at, and do you find that higher sample rates kind of work better for the smaller sounds? Do um. You...
2: The g- general. The basic starting rate it's forty eight k that's the regular that I use because you know when when you start doing stuff for films uh you use forty eight and then you just continue with that sure. uh I use higher sample rates only if I know that i'm gonna do some sound design tricks on it, meaning transposing stuff down uh along ah, okay yeah okay uh, otherwise.
0: Uh, but I mean, you'd go up in increments of 48, so you go to 96. Yeah, 96 and, yeah. and then 192,
2: yeah. yeah. But unless I am creating something that... You see, the point is, even if I create music at 96 kilohertz, who's going to listen to at that rate? How, mm-hmm. how do you distribute the music that way, you know? I hear you. Uh, I mean, Peter Gabriel actually did something very nice. He, he released a special edition uh, record that had a USB key inside, they contain the 96 kilohertz, 24-bit version of the album, and I got it right away because you know it's Peter Gabriel. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think uh, people would be that interested in a 96 kilohertz version of uh, Huge Coffee. <laughs> right? yeah, <I> mean, <laughs> well, be a,
0: on, the, on the plus side; it'd be quite a small download because it's, it's a shorter, you know, it's a shorter item,
1: I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I was I was I was just curious to wonder if you'd notice much of a difference in the actual sound quality of things if you record at a higher sample rate.
2: Well, there is a difference, but again, it is if it stays uh, in my room, hmm. it's for my for my enjoyment, okay. And then right. what happens when it goes out? You know, uh, I try I try I like Bandcamp, for example. It's this website where I you can you know distribute your music and everything because I like the fact that you can download also a lossless uh, format uh because when you go with an MP3 at 190 kilobytes per second it basically kills your bass yeah. and it kills the spear, the stereo field a little bit. So I know I it's funny when people compare the the, the, the vinyl and the mp3s they go, wow vinyl is still fantastic. Yes, because you're comparing it with a crappy mp3 but if you compare a vinyl with a very nice digital format you will tell the difference you know yes there is this nostalgic uh, factor connected to it but but the fact is you cannot compare a vinyl with an mp3 vinyl is analog mp3 when it's compressed it's bad digital so <laughs> that, that, that's how i feel about this
0: do you master the stuff in your videos carefully mm-hmm. to yeah. make sure that the, that the nuance that you want to be in focus comes out, or do you do that more yes. at the mix stage?
2: Yes, yes. The, 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 everything regarding the audio part, it's uh, meticulously done in the sense that I am, you know, really trying to get the, the, everything sound the way I want, and I make sure that it sounds good also on, on a laptop. Uh, Because for video, not not everybody, I think actually the majority of people, they they don't have uh, big speakers or anything. So, for example, uh, in this video that you heard, there's a lot of low end that you can appreciate if you have a set of speakers connected. But if you don't, you play it and you go, okay, this is like a regular coffee. Yeah. Yes and no, because you know, <laughs> 're listening through regular speakers, I mean the speakers of your laptop which doesn 't they don't have a – I i mean i don 't know what's the cutoff, but yeah pretty don't... low
0: uh, pretty high up i 'd imagine almost into the mid, so I would I, I should oh that's very interesting so uh, and you've been working on um the other project, which is the post civilization custom built orchestra, which sounds mm-hmm. very interesting and that and is that kind of the way that you're uh, if i go i think i've got a screen capture here is that is that the, what you 're trying to do to kind of Commercialize your skills, I suppose, in a way because you've created this very unique sounding set of uh, sounds, and then you know you've created this music uh, uh, which is it's not going to sound like anything else because it's coming from all these other sources that nobody else has got.
2: Yeah, I mean the idea for these tracks, these are. Um, I started. I wanted to do some trailer music because I've done it in the past, and I and I, I like the the idea of doing more. But then I started doing things. More like, oh, you know what, I don't really care about if this is trailer or not. I just want to record it this way. But one thing that you mentioned, um, the sound, you know, and then I use the sound to make the composition. Actually, what, I, what I'm doing with the custom-built orchestra, it's not sampling. I, I don't sample anything. It's just uh, I play stuff as so I need to play them. It's
0: like processed performing. Is that kind of how you would describe it? Yeah, in a
2: way, yes. Because you know, some instruments I keep them very clean. Some others I transform them completely. But there isn't um, a moment at the beginning where I say, "I mean, I don't play things from the keyboard. I play them from the instrument itself or from whatever shape this thing has." What Uh, what is your
0: what is your kind of your bass instrument, if you like, you know, what is it that you are a proficient musician at? I mean, would you say, where are you coming at? The, is it stringed instruments that you're coming at? No, or percussive it's or? piano. Ah.
2: Yeah, piano, I, I I know, I started a little bit, so I know scales and things like that. So when I look at the keyboard, I know what I'm doing. But um, I found that I cannot write music for the Xperia bass on the piano. Right. Because it doesn't make no sense, it doesn't... I mean, it doesn't translate the, the, the potential of the instrument, because on the keyboard, you play one key, and then, okay, that's the bass line. But then when you're actually playing the Xperia bass, there's a lot of noise, there's a lot of rattles and stuff going on. And to me, these things, they, they cannot be translated with a different interface. You know?
0: Yeah, okay. That,
2: that's the nature of the instrument. You know, you can sample it and simulate the, the way it behaves, but Why
0: do I have to sample that? I have the real thing, you know. Yeah, well, of course. Yeah, absolutely, got you there. I'm just trying to find a a picture of it now. This is your uh, Explorer Base right here, which is a sort of. Well, it's like it's a kind of um, equivalent of the um, the Led Zeppelin Stairway to Heaven dual neck SG, but it's got three. (laughs) So, So are you really a closet? Do you have to put your foot up on a monitor to get the best out of that? And kind of, you know. Are you are, are you a closet rock guitarist tr- trying to break free through, through this instrument, or is it uh, it, it was came maybe, from a different place? Maybe
2: <laughs> because the thing is, I, I'm not a double bass player anyway. <laughs> so when when I built the instrument, I had this gigantic thing in front of me, and I thought, okay, now what? <laughs> 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 so I, the idea was to build an instrument to 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 feel what happens in in real life. With uh you know, when you do physical modeling, that you can extend the size of an instrument, so you can say, I want to have a trumpet that is like uh, a mile long, and, and <laughs> what happens? But then I thought, okay, what if I do that experiment in real life? So what if I connect string instru- string, um, violin strings, on the body of a, of a double bass? And so that was the beginning. And then after I built it, I thought, so what do I do now? Because I can't really play it. I don't know the finger techniques and the, and the so I just went with what made sense to me in that specific moment. Now I can play it a little better, but still I don't play it as a double bass. I still play it from the front with one finger. <laughs> but I can apply much more pressure on the strings and with the bow than a traditional technique because I'm, I'm you know, holding it in the worst, you know, I'll show you. There's um, people actually complaining online because they say, your, your, your bowing
0: technique sucks, yeah?
2: <laughs> it sucks because you hold it like, like a hand-fisted thing, but this is how I need to do it to really make those sounds happen the way they happen. Otherwise, it would sound very gentle, and I, I'm not into that. I cannot right. play it. I mean, I can play it rough.
0: At least to at least to another question. Actually, have you ever found that you've put this time and effort into a, a concept of an instrument, and then when it comes down to it, it actually just doesn't really do anything for you, and you have to kind of you have to go back to the drawing board? Or is it more? Do you, is there a kind of longer process so that it will always yield interesting results?
2: Well, probably. Well, when I was a kid, I, I broke a lot of stuff. I, mean, I was. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> I would just. Taking apart the guitar, getting very excited along the process, and then okay, now what is this? I mean, this is nothing anymore. And then I thought, okay, I'm going to put it back then, and I couldn't. So I ended up with a bunch of stuff <laughs> on the floor, and that was it. Now, I kind of have a sense of what I'm doing, so I don't really uh, go to the extent of building something complete without having an idea of how I'm going to play it. Uh, so like no. Likely, yes, I, I, I improved. Well fielded,
0: well fielded, sir, there was my question. So do you do you screw up really badly? And it's like, not anymore. That's a that's a great answer. <laughs> yeah, no, but,
2: but but the thing is, the thing that I like about these custom built instruments is that you cannot expect them to uh sound or respond um as a traditionally optimized instrument because they are not optimized in any sense. Sure. So Basically, you get a, you have an instrument in front of you. You do something. You record something, and then there is a, the recording process, of course. So it's a learning experience uh, that pushes me into trying something different. I actually have a video in the works in these days that I don't know when I'm going to publish it exactly because I want to see if I'm, I'm going to put it out before the summer or after the summer. But anyway, it's it's um, it's an instrument that if you look at it, you go. What is this? I mean, it's it's just funny looking, you know. But then, I I figured out ways of playing it that actually make sense.
0: Ah, do you have to figure out? Do you do you think about what it looks like as well? Because a lot of your products are, are video based. Do you have to kind of do something? Because there might be something that just looks like nothing but sounds great, but that's not. Uh-huh. It's not quite the same impact, and uh, I guess
2: yeah sometimes i i, I am inspired uh, visually so I, I start from the visual idea and, and then it becomes something that i can actually play but there is i don't really have a rule that i always go one way or the sure. other sure it's a random process sometimes you know i build instruments and then i take them apart because i needed the parts for example <laughs> i need yeah, because if i am in a hurry and i need the machine gear for the guitar I look around and I go, mm, well, that one is not really that precious. <laughs>
0: oh, wow. <laughs> That's interesting. I, I, I like the idea of that. Just kind of, isn't that a mad pre- Mark, I was just going to ask you because basically you did a lot of circuit bending, didn't you? I mean, and I'm guessing the- that there's a lot of effort that goes into that, but then it can just come up with nothing meaningful whatsoever so you, um, do you do you find that you you kind of know what you're doing with that or do you just kind of oh hope, no,
3: absolutely no hope. idea at all i just connect a wire at one end to somewhere on a chip and then have the other end you know a nice way of doing it is to take old multimeter cords because they've got the pointy bits at the end yeah so i might solder one on you know one end of a wire on and then wrap Uh, the wire together and then I've got the pointy bit and then I just start playing the keyboard and touching it on different things and see what happens and then if I find an interesting connection I'll solder another piece of wire and then put it in a connector so I can short that out and make a connection or have a switch or something and I just poke around inside the keyboard doing that. Of course it's possible to blow things up. Yeah, I I am saying it's probably best to stick to 12 volts. Don't connect the power (laughs) supply, you know, any of the power supply stuff into into the main circuit. But on SK-1s, it's fairly simple because you've got all the bits down the side of the, the the main chip in the SK-1. Each one of the legs of the chip is a different audio bit. So if it's eight bits, you've got bit one, bit two, bit three, bit four, bit five, bit six, bit seven, bit eight. And if you start shorting the bits out, it basically chops the sample up and starts doing weird uh, stutter things, actually. Uh, so. Okay. But I, I haven't discovered. I haven't, I'm going back to isotope scu- uh, stutter. Having discovered that, I have to say I haven't switched the circuit bending stuff on as much because that stutter plugin it's absolutely, absolutely brilliant, well, and will it you does look at that. a lot of those things. And they're more controllable, and I can kind repeatable. of repeatable. Like I suppose you can the save them.
0: them so. yeah. Have you ever been yeah. uh, tempted to do any circuit bending, or are you, is all your stuff in the physical
2: world, uh, Diego? Um, I did a couple of things, um, uh, with electronics. Uh, I, I built this instrument called, um, LCO, which is basically an optical theremin. Uh, but the thing that bothered me about the optical theremin is that it reacts with the amount of light you have outside.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so it <he> only works <laughs> in the dark.
2: You turn it on and you basically just look at this thing. So I built an, a, a case where I enclosed the the circuit inside and then I put a light bulb in it and I can control the light bulb intensity with the knob and I also built an on-off switch so I have at least on and off notes and the pitch Ah. Uh, uh, because otherwise it's kind of pointless to me but I didn't do uh, like classic circuit bending I have, uh, you know, what I was thinking, but they're gonna kill me if I do it. I see you got I, sub
0: fatty, I, fatty there, yeah.
2: I got sub fatty because uh, um, do, it. do it. Just you know them. you want to. <laughs> I thought, what if I do some crazy stuff? Yeah, <laughs> yay! <laughs> <laughs> they're gonna kill
3: me. <laughs> I'm I'm moving into your world perhaps as well because I rang up a company in Scotland today and they sell um, U.S. Army Jeep jerry cans on ebay and i rang them up and said look excuse me can you i know this is an odd request but can i kind of hand pick a jerry can i want a really rusty one and they were like what and i'm so i've been watching uh youtube videos of these jerry can guitars you know the gas can mm-hmm. guitar yep. so i'm going yep. to make one of those um I oh don't that know sounds good
2: successful yeah you me, but... uh, you might be interested in looking at the choices of pickups that there are out there because, you know, besides the, 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 the physical structure of the guitar, yeah. you have to think about how to amplify the sound. And there's a lot of uh, a lot of I options.
3: It be, I mean, I want it to have acoustic guitar properties as well as be an electric guitar, because I like that yeah. kind wow. of big open metal sound that you get out of a Jerry. Cat. So you're not
2: thinking to amplify it with a pickup?
3: You're no. I, rec- well, I was actually thinking about ripping my Line 6 Variax guitar to bits and putting the Variax electronics inside it
2: <laughs> there are cheaper ways of
3: doing that. <laughs> but cheaper. I like the sound of that, though. <laughs> I mean, I kind of figured, and then I'd stick up one of those fish. Has anybody tried that Fishman Triple Play? Because somebody on one of the people in the chat room had sent me an email and said that I should try it. But I, I, what I can't work good. out with the Fishman Triple Play pickup is whether or not it sends an analog guitar signal to the computer as well as a MIDI guitar signal
0: oh I don't I tell you what's funny though um, at my child's school fete this weekend I was chatting to one of the parents and he said oh you need to speak to uh, a chap I, I can't remember what his name was um, he's just moved into the area and his son or daughter goes to this school and he's the software designer for the Fishman Triple Play who lives Literally, round the corner from me somewhere, oh, uh, whose daughter oh. or, or child goes to the same school as mine. So that's uh, that just sort of fairly random. So I, I'm hoping I'll I. I get... thought they
3: were an American company. Yeah, so I but... think he's
0: just come to the. I, that's all I know.
3: Ah, oh, maybe I need to be introduced to him then.
0: Well, maybe that. Maybe that's possible. I yeah. mean, I
3: t- but if you think about what the triple play is, they they ought to have a similar thing to the line six Variax because they're pulling the audio off the back of the guitar if they had like a similar setup but it was at the other end of the uh, transmission process so I plug my USB receiver into my laptop and then the software comes up on the screen and then I can make my guitar tones in the software on my laptop and then I don't have to carry any leads or anything that would be brilliant because the, where the Line 6 guitar falls down is if, if I power it off batteries the batteries go flat pretty quick if I power it off the power supply and then I really overdrive, uh, have an overdriven guitar sound, the power supply noise comes through on the guitars. I get hum on it. So I'm forever sort of wrestling between the batteries or, you know, what's going on with the power supply or the batteries and trying to get the damn thing to sort of...
0: I'm sure um, there must be, I'm sure. I, I mean, it's supposed to be quite a revolutionary product. I don't know anything about it, but... Uh, the axe or the Fishman. The, the Fishman, the fish yeah. But it's worth looking at for sure, definitely.
3: But, I mean, I just want to get... I was thinking I want to get as many options as possible into a gas can guitar, so maybe have a synth in it as well. Excellent. And sort of create this kind of, you know, monster guitar. It could guitar be a steel
0: thing. drum at the same time, yeah, couldn't it? Guitar, you know,
3: like, yeah, it could be. A, yeah. And also a handy <laughs> yeah, receptacle
0: um, for petrol if you break down on the way to a gig and you run out.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to put... Um, that's not going to work because I want to put a, a an American car hubcap on the front to get that kind of resonator guitar look. Wow. So many of our American friends have a spare hubcap kicking around in their garage and they want to send it to me and they think it would look good on the front of a guitar. and I'd appreciate that. <laughs> that sounds
0: awesome. In fact, there was a, a, a news item I spotted on Facebook. I forget where it came. I think it was Math. Actually, Math uh, uh, Tara's uh, other half, who's in the chat room, he posted on Facebook that there was this uh, dealership in the US, in Navar Nebraska, and there he had five hundred mint like old caddies and old, you know, just basically these warehouses full of them and there's all these shots of the, uh, the the dashboard with like, there's four miles on the on the clock and ten oh, miles wow. on the clock. And there's just tons and tons of them they are selling the whole lot. There's a company selling them. Some great pictures of these really dusty old cars but with absolutely pristine interior and no miles on the clock at all. It's just... It. Yeah, so, I, I,
3: ideally, I want a completely beaten up, rusty, really, you know, some kind of, uh, a kind of, Character full yeah. arts to put on it. I'd quite like to have an inbuilt New York taxi cab horn as well. I mean, <laughs> if I powered the thing from a lithium battery as well, if I put lithium like a, a MacBook Pro battery or something like that inside it, so I've got lots of power in there. I could put all sorts of stuff in you it. You certainly could. could.
0: It's a big space. That sounds very interesting. Um, yeah, uh, we. Uh, I'd like to hear more about that as that project comes along <laughs> but perhaps um, what we could do now is uh, come on to the uh, well th- th- this was this sort of I, I recently had a project where I had to come up with some beats and I haven't done it for ages and I just thought how am I doing this I don't remember how I start because I've, ju- I've recently taken delivery of uh, Native Instruments um, Ultimate Collection so I've got a whole bunch of battery sounds and what have you but I just sort of found myself floundering a bit because I, w- I couldn't remember how I used to do it and I think it was I would create like a maybe a set of sounds that I like the sound of and then I would work with those and kind of create so I'd have a vibe instantly that I'd already made those creative decisions and I'm guessing you know um you know, for, for, for Diego, this must be very applicable to you because you create. You know, you maybe hear a sound like there's the leaf uh, on the right. uh, turntable, which was I thought was very ironic, considering the, our last conversation about the leaf blower man. Uh, he could <laughs> yeah. be collecting the finest leaves for you, and you've been dissing him all this time. But anyway, uh, and I wonder how you kind of create something from when you're actually discovering the sound as you go, because it's it's even less um, sort of pre-made, and so quite hard to, to to create those sort of bits. I don't know how you how you tend to work that way.
2: Uh, well, I, I think I am uh, doing like a psychotherapy <laughs> journey through the things that bother me, and then I transform that into music. <laughs> <laughs> and this was the example of the guy with the leaf lower. But something that I, 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 I thought was interesting about this topic is that um, to me, the, gro- the sound is the groove, meaning that if I, if I hear something... And then I build a certain groove around it. If you replace the elements, the groove itself doesn't move the way it moved before. It's kind of an obvious thing to say, but at the same time, it's like saying you get you get those groove. You build a structure in MIDI, okay, and then you start to replace sounds around. Yes, you can get some interesting results, but to me, what's proven to be more effective is once you find a source that you like, what is the groove? inside that source and also what I try to do uh, with with these new videos that you've seen I don't do sampling so I basically take a, take an element like a leaf I rub it on the on the turntable and that's it uh, meaning do you, that, do you, that do you stop
0: when you found something and go oh that loops nicely that feels like it's has got- oh that's
2: what I do yeah. I recorded like an hour of stuff and 50 minutes of it was nothing it was just like like <laughs> I like, all right. <laughs> but the remaining ten minutes were like gold. They <laughs> were like really cool stuff. So I I collected the best out of that session, if you want to call it session. Right. <laughs> and and put it together in a way that 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 uh, resembles a loop. And then I I chopped the very uh, a couple elements very short to create the, the bass drum and the snare drum, but. Uh, I like to I like to to basically let the element in front of me tell me what what's the music. What, ah, what, but,
0: and that's what, interesting. So you go for the sort of splurge of creative performance, and then there's uh-huh. a different process for putting it all together again. I see. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Because otherwise, I don't know. I, I don't. I'm not sure about you know uh, starting to build like a, a set of MIDI grooves and then. Uh, Start replacing sounds around. It doesn't work for me. I know that it works in the context of when you produce music in a certain way because a certain snare drum doesn't cut. All yeah, right. Yeah. But when you do these kind of experimental videos, I, I like to keep the, the the true nature of this video um, as pristine as possible. Uh, even if it's a sound design thing, even if it's if it's if it's sounding very processed, that at the end still. Uh, what was the original right.
0: source there's a, there 's a, there's a, there's a moment i know Gaz, yeah. I, Gaz I know that you 're because um, we 've done stuff with you in the past where it 's like you know the five minute song what have you I mean I get the impression you 'd like to work quite fast initially and then perhaps go back to it but i'm i 'm making a you know massive supposition <laughs> there so I mean how does that work for you i 'm thinking kind of beats and what have you Do you start with a groove or do you tend to start a, a, elsewhere but then how would you how do you do you just kind of throw something down that does and then fix it later or what how do you work
1: hmm yeah i i work in so many different ways I, every time i do something i generally do something a little bit different than the time i've done it before which is sometimes a bit counterproductive but uh, i don't really have a fixed way of doing stuff uh I recently i bought all the expansion packs for the native instruments machine because they were on offer and then sort of loaded them all in and then just went oh I don't don't actually get inspired that much by that kind of thing, Uh, but um, uh, but it's kind of nice to have that. But I mean, you know, now I've got you know ten thousand bass drums and you know (laughs) just what you need. uh, And and it's weird that doesn't really inspire me very much. Uh, However, Uh, on certain,
2: if uh, I may say, if you remember back in the early days of sampling. Uh, that was the way to go. You know, there was a, there were there were best service uh, CDs called a uh, hundred kick, a hundred thousand kick drums, a thousand snares, and things like that. I think yeah. we're just past that point. Uh, yeah,
1: I I agree. I agree. <laughs> I, I agree. Uh, I mean, I I recently got the teenage engineer in Op One, mm-hmm. and I love it. And I kind of just sample things and, and, and you know, I, I'll, the little microphone in that is surprisingly good. So you can kind of just um, just hit on things to, you know, a little bit of a, a Diego Stocko approach, you know, just hitting all sorts of stuff, looking for things. And I do find that that does inspire me a lot more with these little sounds or these little things than these big, huge multi-sample whatnots, you know, which uh have increasingly
0: I suppose dis- the thing about that is that's great, but then you have to spend a certain amount of time at some point yeah. making it into something playable, whether it's gonna whether you just put it on the timeline yeah. and, and, and put it in rhythmic sense or whether you sample it and then play it. And that's yeah. a different that again is a different yeah part of your I brain think, isn't
1: it just coming back to the question about where the inspiration and what what where you get going i think um i could then later turn to the machine or the ableton live or whatever and then use the various techniques to um to then hone in on stuff i mean i've mentioned this before on the show uh something that i've been increasingly doing and i really just love so much is using it's just recording a drummer playing in free time without any click track and just just you know good drummers good musicians playing either with other musicians or just on their own bringing that into cubase using the new functioning cubase that extracts all the the the, works out the whole time grid to the real-time performance And then I start playing with something like the machine, which inspires me no end then because the grid is this constantly adjusting thing rather than it being the block grid, which is like in computer time because it's in the free time of the performance. You know, I love the kind of that juxtapositioning of the of the very grid based thing that the machine is with this human evolving thing and it's really interesting you know because you put in a little one bar loop on and even that I, has some life it, it just comes alive and then the whole process of it, it just becomes inspiring to me then you know before or, or if i was just to go to say maybe the machine and be locked into sort of everything just in this rigid 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 it bores the pantaroonies off me it really does i'm mm, just um nice, so that. yeah so I uh, I I think it is interesting, uh, uh, interesting time, and I, I totally agree with Diego that we have moved on quite a lot now, and uh, uh, I, I, and that that's exciting for me. That's exciting for me. I love the fact now I feel using that cue based technique is that musicians are back and in charge of the grid. Twenty years we've been suppressed by <laughs> grid lock, 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 and like drummers, drummers have been have been kind of written off because they can't play to the grid, but I've been playing with them as a bass player. I love the way that they move and that they're dynamic forward and back in tempo and slow and, and push and pull, uh, but then when you put them down in a studio thing, they have to conform to the click because the click makes everything easy. They, the producers all want it to the click because it saves them time. They can go and do all their cocaine and pub or whatever it is. And, you know, so they get everyone, Not anymore. To, everyone to do... Not anymore. <laughs> Um, but, yeah, but, you know, but uh, it, 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 I just love that. I love the feel. I love the idea that, you know, that that, that grid-based thing just becomes a human.
0: Yeah, place. that's a very interesting thing. Mark, um, when you're doing, I mean, you, I know that you tend to work quickly. And do you use Apple loops? I'm trying to remember because I when you you work primarily within times. logic for composition, right?
3: I mean, I was, what happens with me is I go to do some work on the computer So last night, I did a remix for someone recently and the guy said to me, can you send me stems of everything? So I was just like, right, okay. So I sat in front of the computer and I set the thing up and it was making stems. Um, So then suddenly the computer's not available to me. And the next thing available to me is an electric guitar, which is sitting at the back of the room. So I picked that up, plugged it in. This was about quarter past 12 at night. I hastened to (laughs) add... Um, so the machine's still making stems and I'm just strumming around on the guitar and then I was like, oh, this is good, I like this and then I had to stop making stems and then I opened a session in Logic and just basically played to a click and started throwing a song together and within about an hour and a half I had a song and it always, it always starts with I'll just be noodling around and something will catch my ear and I'll go, oh... Uh, that's new, I've not done that before, where did that come from? Then it becomes like absolutely compelled to do something with it and I can't sort of help myself. And then um, whatever's to hand and whatever makes that process work as quickly as possible. So it's about, you know, finding things that I hear that capture my ear in the same way that that initial riff captured my ear and then dropping those things in and it's sort of, it's part chance, part the key skill is not my playing ability. I can play, but I'm not a uh, uh, virtuoso. But the key skill is listening and hearing things and going, that works, and dropping it into the session. And So sometimes it's Apple Loop, Sometimes it's stuff out of contact. Um, quite often it's G4 synth. Sometimes I will turn to the V synth or whatever's the hand, really. And whatever feels like it's the next thing. There's a gut instinct to, like, grab something in the room that's the next thing to go to and it just kind of goes I'm, like that.
0: I'm guessing the thing is, is so, for instance, if you go to contact and you say it could be that, presumably there is a core sort of thread of stuff that you might use because, I mean, there are millions and millions of samples, you know, tens of thousands. How do you know which, where to start with that? Or do you just go, yeah, that kick, that's fine, you know, you know that's the thing. To have,
3: you have to have these kind of, I've always done this weird noodling, these weird noodling sessions. You have to have, It's not always about creating music. Sometimes it's about doing a little bit of housekeeping. And the housekeeping is sitting down with a program and going through all your sounds. If you don't do that, you don't know where anything is. So with Apple Loops, it's overwhelming. So sometimes I'll do it by name. Uh, With Ableton Live 9, which I just got, I actually flicked through every single sound in the whole thing the other night, just playing around with it, going like, right, what's here? And then that's in the back of your mind, and then you sort of think, oh, oh hang on, there's a sound in Ableton that might work for this, and then right. you go in there and, and you get it. So, um, Which is why these massive sound libraries, when somebody says to you, oh, I've got this massive sound library, it's
0: I, lesson, I go, lesson. yeah,
3: okay, great, well, that's good, but I, I don't know what's in it. So, and then I go, I want a snare that sounds like this, and if they can't interpret what you're trying to get across... Actually, if somebody says, I want a snare that sounds like the snare on, let's say, I don't know, uh, the beginning of Simple Minds, I'll go, like, okay, let's just go on bloody YouTube and get that snare and just sample it straight off the record or the CD or or sample it straight off YouTube, if that's what it takes, and we'll just brighten it up and clean it up, put fresh reverb on it, you know. So, you know, if if they know what the sound, if they know the sound that they want, you just go and.
0: If you can get yeah, it, yeah. Well, I suppose yeah. yeah. I suppose that's, that's an interesting point. Well, interesting uh, um, insights into how that works. That's, uh, I'm glad uh, that we... Uh, I'm, going to to get...
3: have, I'm afraid I'm going to have to go because I need to take a child to a school play now. So um, <laughs> I'm going to have to... Uh, well, I appreciate that, Mark. Through. Thank you. Um, thank you for...
0: Uh, thank you for your... No, thank, well, thank you. Fun, thank you. Um, likebeing.com, Mark Tinley, thank you very much for joining us. If you hang up, then there will be two... And okay, put it. But have a good. We'll see you all. Have a good school week. play. Take care. Excellent.
3: Bye. Cheers. Thank you. Bye. Bye. bye.
0: So, So um, I, I suspect we're kind of getting near to the end of the show, um, and I appreciate you uh, hanging in there. It was a very interesting discussion we've had on hmm. uh, all these aspects of everything, which hmm. is I like that, and I'm glad to see that you you you've perked up very well there, Diego. You look you look wide awake now. <laughs> I think must be. know yeah, we must have stimulated you enough to kind of bring you out of your yeah, sleepy condition. Yeah, especially so.
2: Mark's uh, last uh, comment about going on YouTube and stuff.
0: Well, I mean, it's. I suppose it's. You know, it's a way. It's. I guess it's the path of least resistance in many cases, isn't it? That's mm-hmm. kind of.
2: Yeah. No. Yeah. It's. It. You see that. But to me, that's the antithesis of how I work. Yeah. Because I. I, I cannot work like I mean I I actually don't like the idea of sampling stuff from uh, other people's records. It's already
1: I mean. started. Oh, but I, I've been I, I've been sampling things, though, Diego, off YouTube of like uh, there was this fantastic wedding in Northern Ireland and somebody fell over in uh, and. Uh, uh, somebody fell over, some woman fell over. Uh, it uh-huh. was a really random uh-huh. wedding that I found just on YouTube. And But then I sampled all the guests reacting to her falling over and all going, whoo!
2: And then when you pitch that down and it just sounds like this ridiculous chaos of all these people. No, no, no. I, I, I understand. I understand that there are some uh, happy accidents happening out of that. But to me, I, for example, how many um, young producers you know they call themselves producers in these days actually know how to record something you know how mm. do if they know how to use a mic a preamp and the problem is that they probably don't know that well because they don't have to learn because if you can go on youtube and sample someone else's work you are missing out on the opportunity to learn how to create your own yeah this is not about you know, yeah. the copyright issue, which is an issue, but then it's another issue. This is about what you are getting out of the experience as a musician and, and as a person that learns things. You're missing out because you don't have to. But if you learn how to use microphones, you can record whatever crosses your <laughs> your life, you know. That's, yeah, that's, that, that's why I, I love this approach better than, you know, obviously sampling, I do sampling for instruments, you know that, but I I like the fact that when you record some basic sound engineering techniques, it really frees you and really you can do whatever you like then. Mm. That's that's my my opinion about this thing.
1: The the thing I'm looking to do in the near future now is I I want to get... I've I've been thinking, I've been lusting after a four-track or an eight-track, maybe like a reel-to-reel, and then I sort of realized, actually, it's not that that i'm lusting after what i'm lusting after is a multi-track recorder that doesn't involve a computer you know uh and it's one of these things these things uh you know these standalone like digital recorders that used to be sort of very common and now there's only actually the only people who are making them now are zoom and tascam they're the only tascam. guys who've actually well boss are doing some of the sort of, like smaller ones but you know like serious you know to be able to record with multiple inputs and um presumably they're the only people making them because the market has uh has really kind of yeah. reduced. Um but yeah so I'm but then you I look at what's available and there's nothing that's quite right. But I, but uh but in a way for me a lot of that is is to return back to my roots really of my audio engineering when I was playing around with microphones and just getting things right and you uh-huh. know and not having the computer process that kind of just lets you just i call it the realm of the infinite adjustability yeah <laughs> yeah yeah. no i you agree know. with
2: you even even in, in the realm of uh, sound engineering something that this is my perception because i i, I talk to uh, i get feedback and and i get questions about my work and things and i feel like there's a sort of a, I don't know if I am good enough to be my own sound engineer to try my own thing. But the point is, you don't have to start from a point of excellence. And if you're not there, you can't do it. You can start from zero and build up. There's there's the beauty of learning, it's exactly there. You know, you, you learn and you know, you use what you have, you, you know what you do, and then one day you go, oh, by the way, if I do this differently, then it sounds better. So the process of learning these things, it's, in my opinion, very important w- when it comes to how you make music, how you record your sounds and everything, because w- when you learn these things, they become yours. Mm-hmm. And, and and something that that became yours is much more powerful than something that you happen to use out of necessity in that specific moment,
0: you know. I think you're absolutely right. And also it it stays within the physical realm rather, yeah. than, rather than any other realm. And that, that has a very different – when you do things physically, it has a very different relation. It's the same way that, you know, I feel about a real synthesizer rather than, mm-hmm. you know, a virtual one. I can't – you know, much as I enjoy it, it's the it's the hardware interface that I find get the most pleasure from and is the mm-hmm. most intuitive there, to use.
2: there's something that, that I need to tell you that in these days, you know, the, the sub fatty – they're uh, they they they're going to release uh, an editor for it.
0: Yes, that's right, yeah. That
2: it's incredible because you can program sounds from the editor or from the subfetti at the same time because they talk to each other in real time. So it kind of blurs the line between hardware versus software because you are programming a software but you are actually playing it through a piece of hardware and it's not a controller it's actually the machine that generates the sound yeah so it's an interesting experience because i was finding myself tweaking things on the screen and then tweaking the filter on the on this so it's an interesting uh, interesting approach you know
0: yeah most definitely well, I've got one in for review. I'm going to get around to it one of these days. When the temperature <laughs> drops a little bit, I might be able to force myself to turn the air conditioning off <laughs> and shut the windows. Because yep. uh, <laughs> uh, unlike the uh, cardioid mark I'm using here, I've, uh, all of the clip-on marks are, uh, uh, are omni, so you get masses. Any, any ambient noise you get, um, uh-huh. you get, you can't use cardioid for, for uh, lavaliers because there's too much bass and directionality, so you get a bit more uh-huh. freedom. I'm not sure anybody's interested in that, but I thought I'd mention it. I'm trying; to, basically, I'm making a really crap excuse for not getting on with finishing the review. But I will do at some point get round to it. Um, I think we're probably uh, speaking of finishing. This is probably a good point to uh, leave. Uh, uh, we we kind of meandered through some interesting topics there, uh, even though uh, I'm pleased to say there are a few left on the list, so I can use them next week instead because they're very hard to find in the summer. I have to say. But Diego, I want to thank you uh, tremendously for joining us. That was really great for you to, uh, you you, to, in, to come down thank you very thank much. you guys
2: was, uh, and also Mark it was a uh, great uh, <laughs> starting with you guys again
0: yeah always welcome and um, where, people should go to diegostocker.com to see what you're up to at all times and subscribe to your Vimeo and all of those things right
2: well if they like to see some madness going on
0: <laughs> of course they do that's why they're watching this <laughs> But thank you very much indeed, Diego. And uh, babe, I hope you have a, a, a rest of the day uh, is, is fruitful for you.
2: You too. Thank you, guys. <laughs> Cheers. And
0: Cheers. also, uh, thank you very much, uh, Gaz Williams over there in Bristol. Um, I will see you uh, physically uh, at the weekend. Looking forward to that. Yes. So, um, <laughs> yes, and have a great week. Thank you yeah, for joining you. us too.
1: Thank you very much. Bye-bye, right. everyone.
0: Great. Well, that's it for this week. Uh, I'm going to sign off now and uh, press the stop button.